Hey, it's very, very nice to be with you guys. Are you all doing okay this morning? Excellent, excellent. As you can tell from my accent, I'm not actually uh, from Toronto. I am, in fact, from London, UK. Yes, 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 yes. Um, and I, yeah, went over to the school in 2007 and stayed for a year and a half, then went back to the UK, studied a music degree, and then got invited to come on staff in Toronto uh, back in 2011. So I've been there for coming up to eight years, which has been super fun. Um, so it's been great. We've just been here this weekend, hanging out with Eric and Lindsay and the worship crew. You have a great worship crew, church. Come on. That's pretty cool. Uh, we have the pleasure of visiting lots of different churches, and you guys have a great worship crew. <laughs> so encourage them, bless them. Um, it's an amazing thing that they do, and it's an amazing thing you do together, and uh, it, it was a very easy leading worship this morning, so um, thank you guys for stewarding your hearts um, well and positioning yourselves for worship, because um, you know who the worship leader is in the room, right? Come on. This feels like a trick question, doesn't it? <laughs> There's a few answers. Holy Spirit is, of course, like directing the worship where he wants to go, but just get your finger out and touch your nose. That's the most powerful worship leader that you have. Wow, come on. Mm. That guy right there. Who, me? <laughs> you really are the most powerful worship leader. Um, uh, we, we just uh, celebrated recently, do you guys remember there was a PIH pastor in prison in Turkey, yeah. uh, Andrew Branson? Yeah. He was just up in Toronto in uh, January and we were celebrating his release. Um, that guy managed to stay faithful in his worship to God um, in a cramped cell with too many people in, um, filled with Muslims who were trying to convert him every day. And it was for like, how long was he in there? It was over a year. Was it two years? Two years. Yeah. I can't imagine the intense pressure, but like the understanding that you're the most influential worship leader in your own life. Oh, man. That changes stuff, right? Um, so usually I'm behind a guitar, and occasionally I get loose on a microphone, which is just very exciting. I feel very free without a guitar. I just might do some dancing for you or something. Um, but for years, whenever I was given a microphone and not a guitar, um, the instruction was, oh, can, you, can you share something on worship? And I'm always like, yeah, well, yeah, of course I can. Like, I have other things that I'm, you know, interested in theologically as well. You know, like, <laughs> would, would like to talk about other things as well. Um, but luckily, I got to preach last week at church, and I'm preaching next week at our home church as well, and I'm not doing the subject of worship. So when it came to today, I was like, you know what? We're going to go back to the original. <laughs> We're going to talk about worship this morning. <laughs> But seeing how you lot are so amazing at engaging in worship, I'm like, oh, maybe I didn't know to share this today. But I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you in activating our own worship. Yes. So how many of you are feeling pumped up, full of sauce, ready to go all the time? <laughs> Guys, what are, you, uh, what are you teaching these people? <laughs> Who's heard of the Westminster Shorter Catechism? Two people put up their hands like, yeah, I know what that is. 
It's a bunch of um, dudes that got together um, a long time ago in Westminster in England, uh, and they were talking about um, various theological things. They were trying to like nail down the nuts and bolts of what our faith is all about. And so they decided one of the things they were going to tackle, what is the chief end of man? I mean, just like they probably decided, ah, oh, you know, at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday, we will sort out what is the chief end of man. We could probably have that done by lunchtime. So they, they discussed it, and they, they talked about it, and I'm sure they prayed about it. And what they come up with was this. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Come on. Have you heard that expression before? Yeah. So you have heard of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. <laughs> glorify God and enjoy him forever and I think sometimes perhaps in a little bit of pride we think of ourselves in the charismatic world as you know we've reclaimed a lot of stuff in the church and uh, we're pretty cutting edge we enjoy God as well but these dudes hundreds of years ago were like hey the chief end of man to glorify God and to enjoy him forever I want to read you this um, C.S. Lewis quote who's a C.S. Lewis fan oh Oh, yeah. I've got this tiny little phone screen, so forgive me for squinting. But C.S. Lewis talks about this. When, he, when, when, when referencing this idea of to glorify God and enjoy him forever, C.S. Lewis said, these two things are the same thing. To glorify and to enjoy is the same thing. He says this, but the most obvious fact about praise, whether of God or of anything, strangely escapes me. I thought of it in terms of compliment, approval, or the giving of honor. How many times have we come to worship with that in mind? But he says, I've never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise, unless, sometimes even if, shyness or the fear of boring others is deliberately brought in to check it. Ouch. The world rings with praise, lovers praising their mistresses, reading their favorite poet, walking, praising the countryside, players praising their favorite game, praise of weather, wines, dishes, actors, motors, horses, colleges, he's an academic, <laughs> countries, historical personages, children, flowers, mountains, rare stamps. <laughs> It was a different time. Rare beetles, even sometimes politicians or scholars. I have not noticed how the humblest, um, I had not noticed how the humblest and at the same time most balanced and capacious minds praised most while the cranks, misfits, and malcontents praised least. Wow. It's good stuff, C.S. Lewis. To enjoy something, we have to be vocal in praise. Right. Right. We have to be vocal in our praise to enjoy it. When uh, I'm married to Alice, the lovely Alice, and we have a two-year-old son called Arthur. He's very cute. I can show you pictures afterwards if you come and see me. And um, do you know, in our marriage... The enjoyment and the glorification roll into one. When I saw my wife coming down the aisle at our wedding, and she's in her dress, which she spent a lot of money on, <laughs> rightly so, and she's done her makeup the best she knows how, she's done her hair the best way she knows how, she's holding some beautiful flowers, 
and she walks down the aisle towards me. I was crying quite a lot at this point. She cried in the rehearsal, I cried in the actual wedding. In the rehearsal, she's like, oh my goodness. And I'm like, what? It's, you know, we're just practicing. <laughs> and in the wedding, I'm bawling, and she's like, da 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 da. <laughs> As she comes towards me, do you think I just stood there in silence and nodded with a... <laughs> no, I had to vocalize my praise. I had to vocalize my praise. Do you know what? If I didn't vocalize my praise, I wouldn't have enjoyed her as much. Wow. It's in the vocalization that we actually live the enjoyment, just like C.S. Lewis is saying. If I were to cook you the most amazing meal, or even better, if, if I took you today to Pizza Gustavo, Gusto. Is it Pizzeria Gusto? Pizzeria Gusto. Who's been to Pizzeria Gusto? Oh my, guys, you live in Winnipeg. <laughs> I heard it's the best pizza in Winnipeg. Eric took me there the other day. If I sat you down and you had this most delicious meal, who sits there in silence and just eats and says nothing? If you want to enjoy the meal, really enjoy it, what do you do? Oh, mmm. Oh, hey, have you tasted this? It's amazing. Oh, you should try this. Oh, I just love the way, oh, I just love the way that the cheese is just so soft and so delicate, but it's got this, oh, just wonderful taste to it. It's, it's in the vocalization that we really enjoy it. Or if we went um, seemingly a long way from here and climbed up a mountain. <laughs> if we went and climbed up a mountain, you know those days where you, I don't know if, how many of you have never climbed a mountain? Yeah, a bunch of you. Okay, you need to drive out of Manitoba, <laughs> head into BC and, and climb a mountain. If you go on a hike and you hike and hike and hike up the hill uh, with a group of people and you're going through the trees and you go through a tree line and, and you get to the top and you get to the vista point, does everyone stand around and just go, hmm, right, let's go again? Yeah. No. To fully enjoy it, you've got to talk about it, you've got to vocalize about it. And so when you get to that vista point, everyone goes, wow, would you look at that? <laughs> Just look at it. <laughs> it's look at that, and it's the funniest expression, isn't it? Because everyone is looking at it. <laughs> but we still say it, oh, look at that, it's amazing. <laughs> Everyone's looking at it already, but we just want to say, oh, I enjoy this. I have to vocalize about it. And the same is true for us of our relationship with the Lord. And when they were discussing in Westminster, and they said the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. They, 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 they caught on to something. It's the original design of man to live in a state of worship. Right. It's the original design of man. And yet, it's not our day-to-day -day default. It's the way that we've been wired and yet, we're running on a different mode of operation. It's like, it's like me trying to run Windows 10 on my Mac computer. 
honestly that you know and, and the renewing of the mind and the sanctification process and the and the relationship that we get to walk with God is the reformatting of our minds and our hearts to come into alignment with our original design how many of you have found that you feel more human the closer you're walking with God you feel more like you're becoming fully alive you're my original design and yours too because I'm made in the image of God I am made to image God to the world I'm not a mirror I'm made to image God to this world so are you to, to manifest what was happening in the garden where Adam and Eve co-labored with God, acting as little kings, little priests, under a big king and a big priest. But, but not taking that lightly, acting as kings and priests, and that's what we are. Called to image God to the world and to call all of creation, come, worship him. But it really, guys, it's really like, come, see God in me. See God in me and worship him. And when we come to a real uh, revelation of who God is, then we start, to, you know, we start to see him for who he is. We become more human. We're becoming more and more human. Mike Bickle says this amazing, amazing thing. He says, a poor spiritual life is not so much a sin issue as a revelation issue. Wow. A poor spiritual life is not so much a sin issue as a revelation issue. Where are your eyes? Where are your eyes? Because when we see him, we become like him, right? So, so worship is our... Um, by the way, what time do you go till here? Twelve. Twelve. Nice. Okay, cool. Oh, nice. I've got three hours of material, so I, I don't know. <laughs> Such a lame joke. Preachers make it all the time, but it's really fun to say, you know. I'll do, it. I'll do anything for a laugh. <laughs> Not anything. <laughs> so it's our, our original design. Everyone say, original design. Original design. Turn to your friend and say, your original design is to glorify God. Your and tell him, you're doing pretty good at that today. And then say to your friend, well, thank you very much. So it's our original design uh, to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. But we, you know, we we've just talked about it, it's not our default. It's not our default. And the thing is, we just get distracted all the time, right? Anyone distracted all the time? And the Bible talks about this. You know, the cares of this world and just stuff. Because if you've given your life to Jesus, are you a sinner or a saint? There's one confident saint and a few less confident saints, lots of abstainers. <laughs> if you've given your life to Christ, are you a sinner or a saint? I'm not going to mince this point. It's binary. It's on or off. It's one or the other. If you've given your life to Christ, and you're under his lordship, redeemed by his blood, you are a saint. So it's like, come on, catch up, body. Catch up, mind. Yeah. Do you know why sin feels so awful once you've given your life to Jesus? It's because you're running on, on a system that it's not designed for. Right. Come on. Sin and evil is subhuman in nature. Right. It's subhuman in nature. And Jesus revealed that on the cross. That sin is subhuman in nature. And when we do it, we're like, ah, I'm... 
I'm living below operating. And that's why it just, it grates with us, you know? We want to get back in line with him. But we get distracted really often. I think about um, David in the Bible. And I, I, I want to give Bible characters in the Old Testament a lot of grace because they didn't have the Holy Spirit in them. Talks about Holy Spirit being on them, but doesn't describe him being in them, right? So he was on them for a purpose, but the in them to renew them, it wasn't happening. So I have grace for them, but David, like, when people are like, I want to be like David, I'm like, you are crazy. I don't want to be like David. As a teenager, he had to fight lions and bears. That was his, like, teenage job. We have to. We can work in like Wendy's or something. It seems like a lot safer. You know when uh, when we have bosses that persecute us, they're probably like calling us mean names or something. But Saul was like throwing spears at him. Yeah. Like everything was extreme with his life, right? And he got really distracted. So it talks about um, him being a man after God's heart. And you read the Psalms and you think, um, A, you need some inner healing and you need to deal with your stuff because um, there's quite a lot of rage in your heart. But I like your transparency with God, so that's good. But he always turns it back to praise and his, like, his ability to refocus on God is incredible. Yeah? Um, but how do you go from having such highs with God and then the next minute you're like, huh, just going to stay at home, not go to war. Oh, there's a nice lady. Nude on the roof. Doesn't look away. Has another cheeky look. Which turns into another cheeky look. It's not the first look that was a sin. It was the second one, right? Right. When we get tempted, that's not a sin. If we get tough on ourselves for that, we need to start forgiving ourselves. But it's when we start to invite it into uh, and to into invest into ways that we know are subhuman in nature, right? So, you know, he just goes down this slippery slope. If he had taken his God time for ten minutes in that whole like three day cycle, things wouldn't have gone so bad, yeah. right? Yeah. Ends up sleeping with her, getting her pregnant, and then brings the husband. Tries to be really sneaky about it. Doesn't man up. Um, and then and then kills the guy, you know, kills the guy that's demonstrated incredible loyalty to him. Who wants to be like David? <laughs> I'm like, not me. <laughs> but I do want a heart after God. But look at his life, it's just this illustration that we get we can get so easily distracted from him. And so what's the uh, you know, what's the cure for being distracted? What happens when you get distracted? What have you got to do? You have refocus, right? You've got to refocus. If you, if you keep getting distracted again and again and again, there might be something underlying which you need to address. But, but I want to encourage you, while we are still in this flesh and blood body, we are, we're going to be tempted. I'm not going to stop being tempted. You're not going to stop being tempted. There are, there are areas of weakness in us, frailty, where we have to lean on God. I know where they are in me. I'm sure you know where they are in you. And it's like, oh, I, I need you in this area. And if I ask you to think about it now, you'll know, like, oh, I need grace on my life to do this well. I need, I need grace to walk in purity. I need grace to manage my anger. 
I need grace to be present and not to retreat and hide. Right? But we've got to refocus. We've just got to refocus. And so our focus needs to be on God. Right? Our focus needs to be on God. We need just constant reminders of Him. Whatever you look at will open up to you. I want to tell you, I started telling some guys last night about this tree. It's a great tree. Actually, I'll tell you about another tree first. I, by the way, really love trees. <laughs> I was sitting one day outside um, our church offices, and I'm sitting on the bench, and I, a bird's egg dropped out of the tree. Oh, that's life. That, that was death, yes, you're right, Ken, thank you for that. And I looked up, and I looked at this tree, and I thought, I've never really noticed this tree. And what led on from them was a whole series of thoughts. It's quite a nice tree. I like its bark, that's very nice. It's some kind of pine tree. It gets a bit sappy in the spring. But it's a nice tree. And then I'm starting thinking, I wonder how long this tree's been here. It's clearly at least 25 years old, which means it's seen all the crazy stuff from the revival days. <laughs> I start thinking, I wonder what this tree has seen. I wonder how many drunken people it's seen. It's also right next to the School of Ministry. And in the School of Ministry, people deal with their stuff. Uh, and that manifests sometimes as people like walking out the building and having a little rage in the parking lot. I wonder how many profane conversations with the Lord this tree has witnessed. <laughs> I start thinking about this tree, and just as I'm thinking about the tree, it opens up to me. Just as I'm focusing on it, it opens up to me. Trees are amazing. Um, living organisms that support a whole mini ecosystem and, and they operate like our lungs but inverted so whereas we're breathing in more oxygenating air and then breathing out more carbon dioxide than we started with so they are sucking in carbon dioxide and giving out oxygen it's beautiful isn't it yeah. it's like they, they're really cool things but I was telling these guys about this tree um, it's called Methuselah and it's growing high in the mountains in eastern California they won't say like when it's uh, where it exactly is because they don't want people to chop it down. But um, they think that it's around four thousand eight hundred years old. <laughs> like America hadn't been discovered by the West, obviously at that point. But what was happening forty eight hundred years ago? That's like before the flood kind of time. What's that tree seen? And if I said to you, I want to talk to you about a tree, you'd be like, oh, that's interesting, cool, what a good use of a Sunday morning. But when we start to focus on something, anything can become interesting if you really start to focus on it and open it up. How about this tree? If you think about tall trees that you've seen, there's this tree called Hyperion, and it's, do you guys like feet or meters? Feet. 379 feet. How? How? It's just incredible. I mean, these trees are great, but they're not actually what I'm worshipping, but they do lead my heart into something more of worship. 
whatever we focus on will open up to us. But guys, we just got to keep our eyes open. And I want to encourage you this morning. You're a church that like loves to engage with God. And I think on a Sunday morning when you come together and you celebrate corporate times of worship, like keep doing what you're doing because it's really beautiful and it feels like family and it feels um, really connected. Keep going for it. I want to I encourage you, let's keep pushing for incredible moments of worship when we're not all together corporately. The wonder would fill the day-to-day. The wonder of our God and Creator would fill our day-to-day lives. What inspires you to worship? What inspires you to worship? For me, it's, it's creation. I'll tell you a quick story about how my focus got shifted. I went on a, a bachelor weekend to Slovenia. Anyone know where Slovenia is? Yeah, I didn't know either. Um, but it's a cool little country. It's next to Italy. And um, we went there for a weekend, and we did lots of fun stuff, including going for a hike. Now, I'm someone that loves to hike. The other guys are like, yeah, sure, why not? And... We started really late in the day, but we thought we'd do this small route just up a mountain to a viewpoint. And we start hiking up this mountain. I'm the only one that's bought water and correct footwear, uh, and I have the map. I'm the responsible one. The rest of them are like city boys who have no clue. And as we're going up this thing, uh, we pass this guy, and he's like, oh, yeah, about 10 minutes. Just 10 minutes, and then you'll hit the top. We're like, great. And so we carry on. Something happened uh, along the way, and maybe my map breeding skills were not as proficient as I thought. (laughs) Anyway, 10 minutes goes by, no top. 20 minutes goes by, we're still not at the top, and it's a little confusing what's going on. And so everyone's like, yeah, what's going on? So we decided, oh, we'll keep walking for a bit. And we kept walking for way too long. And all of a sudden, this like we're climbing up this mountain, and this path just becomes very, very narrow, and then stops at this sheer wall face. And we notice there's a little metal wire, like this cable, running around the side and disappears around the corner, down a very sheer face. Um, and there's a ledge which is about this wide. <laughs> I'm looking at the map, and I, it's, it's graded, easy routes and hard routes, okay? And I'm looking, and I see, oh, we were meant to go straight up, see a viewpoint, come back down, but we actually diverted, and we're doing, if we commit to this, it's a really long route, and we already started too late in the day, and I'm thinking of all the reasons why we shouldn't do it, and it also says it's a hard route, And now these city boys who have been like huffing and puffing suddenly come alive at the idea of danger. (laughs) Meanwhile, I hate heights. Hate heights. And there's five of us. And one grabs hold of this cable, gets his feet on the ledge and inches around this wall and disappears out of sight. And after a little while, he's like, it's okay, guys. Yeah, I got to the end of this section. I'm like, that's awesome. You can come back now because we need to go back down. And they're all like, three of them are like, ah, no, this will be fun. It'll be an adventure. It's all about the stories. (laughs) 
I'm thinking to myself all those news articles I've read about those people that have got lost and die in the mountains. I'm like, I bet, I bet there were people in their group that were a little foolish in these instances. So I'm more worrying about this. And then another guy goes round. I'm like, guys, this is really not sensible. And then another one goes round. And then it's me and my buddy. He's also afraid of heights. And he's looking at me. I'm looking at him. And we have this question in our mind. Shall we ditch these guys and go back down? But we have the map. <laughs> Do we abandon our friends? No. Some deep manly thing rises up in us and we can't abandon our friends to certain death upon a mountaintop. But I don't want to go. I just don't want to go. I don't want to go. And fear like grips me. And, and he gets onto the ledge and timidly with this like sheer drop that would break your neck, just starts walking around the side of the mountain and I yelled curse words at him. <laughs> I was so upset. <laughs> at that point, I resigned myself that I might die that day. And I just got on with it. And went round, and we got to the top. And at that point at the top, I just had this focus switch. I'd been worried about my own safety and my own uh, security, and I thought that I might die on this mountain. And we got lost, and a bunch of other stuff happened. It was, um, it was a bit foolish, truth be told. But on the top of that mountain, as the sun was starting to go down, by the way, ridiculous, we see the shadows cast by the mountain and, and the Alps, the gorgeous Alps, just sheer mountains that go up for two kilometers and then plummet down in these delicious triangles. And you see the sky and you see the pinks in the clouds and I'm looking around and God just whispers to me, I think I can look after you. Wow. <laughs> and I'm looking around and I'm like, I can't see all the people living here, but there must be thousands of people living within my eyesight, thousands of animals, a whole ecosystem of forests and rivers and animals that he's looking after and he just says to me, I think I can look after you. <laughs> and by that he's saying, Jonathan, I absolutely can look after you. And in that moment, my focus was switched. I just had the most amazing God moment. At the same time, my most saintly friend who was always, it, he used to be employed to pray in our church. He was a, a full-time employed prayer cool. He used to live in ecstasy. It was weird having a conversation with him. How are you, dude? And he'd be like, oh my goodness, I was just, whoa, I was just with Jesus today and just feeling his love for me. I'm like, cool, I was doing my schoolwork. Like, That's awesome. <laughs> but he was always in constant ecstasy with God. And at the top of that mountain, he had a moment of doubt and fear. And I'd never seen this guy ever been negative, let alone fearful. And we were all kind of like, oh no. If Ali's in trouble, like we are all in trouble. And as he stood there, he strengthened himself in the Lord. I always read that passage and I was like, cool, I think I know what that means. I saw it in action on that day. He stood there, having been grumbling, and just said, I need to sort myself out. And he stood there in a posture and just started receiving Holy Spirit on the mountain and then started vibrating like a jackhammer. It was awesome. And he starts speaking in tongues louder and louder and louder until his voice is echoing around the rocks. 
That is awesome. He strengthened himself in the Lord. He refocused himself. We've got to refocus ourselves. But guys, what calls you into worship? What calls you into worship? You've got to find what it is. You've got to find what it is. And there's got to be constant reminders. I want to read you... uh, this passage from Deuteronomy. How many of you like it in, in the war movies where the general gets up in, you know, there's 20 minutes to go before the end of the movie and the general gets up in front of the army and gives them a resounding speech? Yeah? It's the Braveheart moment. It's the, uh, the Lord of the Rings moment. It's, it's something like, we will not go quietly into the night. Well, do you remember that in uh, Independence Day? Yes. Still makes me cry when I watch it. <laughs> we will not go quietly into the night. There's this moment um, in Deuteronomy 4 where Israel gets one of these moments. And this scripture is like, it's like the trailer for the Israelites. Do not forget what your God has done and is about to do. Okay, you ready for this? Indeed, ask now concerning the former days which were before you since the day that God created man on earth and inquire from one end of the heavens to the other. Has anything been done like this great thing? Or has anything been heard like it? Has any people heard the voice of God speaking from the midst of the fire as you've heard it and survived? Or has a God tried to take for himself a nation from within another nation by trials, by signs and wonders and by war and by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and by great terrors as the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes? To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord, he is God and there is no other beside him. Out of the heavens he let you hear his voice to discipline you and on earth he let you see his great fire and you've heard his words from the midst of the fire. Because he loved your fathers and therefore he chose their descendants after them. He personally brought you from Egypt by his great power, driving out from before you nations greater and mightier than you to bring you in and give you their land for an inheritance as it is today. Know therefore today and take it to your heart that the Lord, he is God in heaven above and on the earth below. There is no other. So you shall keep his statutes and his commandments, which I'm giving you today, that it may go well with you and your children after you, that you may live long on the land the Lord your God is giving you for all time. That's inspired speech right there. Ooh. I love that. If Moses had said that to me, I would have been like, yeah, okay. I'll quit my grumbling. At least for 24 hours until I need reminding again. Right? But that's the reality. We need the reminders again, again, and again, and again. And so, you know, I, I, I don't think I have an answer of how we repetitively do this. I mean, maybe you set reminders on your phone to do it. Um, you know, you can make formulas to do this, but I, I think actually the best thing is if as a community we just keep championing the work of God in each other's lives and remembering, 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 keep remembering. Because Israel in the desert, they'd set up these Ebenezers, these piles of stones, so that through generations the kids would be like, what's that pile of stones, Dad? Well, let me tell you the story of when God... Let me tell you the stories of when God... 
Uh, so in your conversations with each other as a community, Catch the Fire Winnipeg, how much are you recounting the goodness of God? And it's recounting the stories and it's recounting the reality of who he is. Because those two things are going to keep our hearts alive. When we talk about God, it like fills us with wonder, but, but it's the stories that tell us like he's still moving today and we have to know that he's still moving today. <clears throat> but I want to do something um, um, this morning while it's still morning, just read you uh, this little bit from Philippians. Uh, Because I want us just to give God good worship this morning that's not in song form, but is the the posture of our hearts. I'm going to ask you this morning just to think about whatever you've got going on in life, Some of you have got really hard stuff going on right now, right? Some of you have probably had just a great week. I've had a great week. Yay for me. (laughs) And if you've had a hard week, I'm so sorry. But we've got to give it all to him. And this morning, can we give him a smile? Can we just give him a smile this morning? It talks about when Jesus prayed before the Father, he lifted his face to heaven. So whether you want your eyes open or shut, let's just turn our faces to heaven. Give him a smile this morning. Do you know, as you smile, you actually change the chemicals going around in your brain. So much of our spiritual walk, like it's all linked, like physio- physiology and spirit, it's a, it's a holistic thing, it's all lined up together, right? Very beautifully. And there's this thing is as we give thanks and as we enjoy Him, as we manifest our joy, it fills us with the, the knowledge, the experiential knowledge. Like, guys, like the hormones that go through our body are experiential knowledge of his goodness. So let's turn our faces towards him. Give him a smile this morning. And I want us just to think about this, that Jesus loves us. Paul says in Philippians, have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to give glory uh, to the glory of God the Father. I'm going to skip forward into chapter 4. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be 
be made known to God. And the peace of God which passes all comprehension will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellent and anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Jesus, we dwell on you today and we lift our we lift our earthly eyes and we lift our spiritual eyes to you this morning and we smile at you and we say thank you. You are amazing. We remember you. We remember really who you are. Let worship come from our hearts just as we recognize you, as we focus on you. That Jesus, you are the Son of Man, the promised Messiah. God, we're in need of rescue. But more than just a relief of temporary pain, God, we need a real rescue where you reconcile us to the Father. And you've done that, Jesus. Jesus, I thank you that you enthroned yourself upon that cross and in brokenness you took on our sin, my sin and in your death you put to death my sin and you expose sin and evil for what it is, a subhuman nature and in your resurrection your life and resurrection Jesus you resurrect me and my brothers and sisters here you resurrect us back into life. Thank you that son of man, we can walk as fully human like you walked. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the Christ, the anointed one. Thank you that you call us to be like you. Thank you that you're the son of God. Thank you that the heart of the Father is revealed through such humble sacrifice. We sang this morning, I know that your eyes, they blaze like fire. Your hair is white as wool and your voice sounds like many waters. Jesus, you're beautiful. That Jesus emptied himself. Emptied himself. Those fiery eyes took on probably a very brown shade. And I'm sure carried warmth and incredible depth. But Jesus, you emptied yourself and became fully man to dwell with us. You're Emmanuel, God with us. We smile to you today and say we love who you are. We love who you are.